Information discussed in this podcast may be sensitive in nature to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. The case of Brittany Drexel captured the nation's heart in April of 2009 when she vanished on a spring break trip to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. She was doing what a lot of teenagers do, heading off to the beach with friends for some fun during their break from school. Only Brittany, at age 17, had been told by her parents that she could not go on this trip. Yet, as we tragically learned just a short time later, Brittany decided to lie to her parents and head off to Myrtle Beach anyways. Her trip was marred with some trouble right from the beginning, as she had some issues with the friends that she had gone with. She ended up spending much of her time there alone. On the night of April 25th, 2009, Brittany was seen on surveillance camera leaving her hotel and heading down to another friend's hotel. She was alone. Brittany Drexel would vanish into the night. She could have been anyone's little girl in a popular spring break destination. How could someone disappear into thin air in a town that hosts millions of visitors? In 2016, authorities released statements that they believe they now knew what happened to Brittany. They said a stash house in Georgetown, South Carolina, might be the last place Brittany was after being kidnapped by Sean Taylor, his teenage son, and others associated with that house. Terrible crimes were spoken of regarding what happened there. And while authorities thought they knew what happened, they didn't think they would ever find Brittany's body. However, in May of 2022, the public learned a shocking truth. The authorities had been wrong, very wrong. This is the story of Finding Brittany Drexel. Information we need to find my daughter. 
family of a missing child has is hope that they're still out there. I'm never going to stop searching for Brittany. If I have to come here every year, two or three times a year, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to find my daughter. Hello, and welcome back to the Where Are They podcast. This episode is a little different, as it doesn't represent an unsolved case. Although this case did remain unsolved for 13 years. This was a cold case that we thought we knew what happened. A cold case in which authorities and the public believed would never bring Brittany Drexel back home. This story not only represents a young girl gone way too soon, but a family who has struggled for years for answers. The public who thought they got those answers in 2016. A group of people who were wrongly accused. And the story of a violent criminal who was allowed to live amongst society despite his long history of heinous crimes. A quick welcome to our newest Patreon members, Aaliyah and Danielle. Thank you so, so much for supporting the show. Our Patreon members can support our show and receive bonus episodes starting at just $3 a month. This past weekend, in honor of Brittany's case, we put up part one of a Missing in Myrtle Beach podcast. This is available to all levels of patrons. This weekend, we will continue with part two of Missing in Myrtle Beach. And yes, if you support the show, you can gain access to all of our past episodes as well. This episode is also sponsored by Let's Think Happy, a website designed to help you identify what type of therapy you would most benefit from. A free online questionnaire that helps you on your mental health journey. We will hear more on them in a bit. Now, let's jump into the story of Brittany Drexel. Who was Brittany Drexel? On October 7th, 1991, Brittany's mother Dawn was just a teenager when she gave birth to Brittany. Her boyfriend at the time, John, did not initially stick around for Brittany's childhood. Dawn would go on to marry Chad Drexel, who adopted Brittany and raised her as his own. They would also go on to have two more children, giving Brittany two younger siblings. Brittany was born with persistent hyperplastic primary vitreosis in her right eye, which required her to have several surgeries as a child and left her blind in one eye. To cover her eye's tendency to wander, she wore contact lenses that gave her a very distinctive appearance. Brittany's childhood growing up was relatively stable. She was a happy, well-adjusted girl growing up in the Rochester, New York area. In her teenage years, however, Brittany would begin to rebel a little bit. In 2008, her parents had announced they were getting divorced, and Brittany took it pretty hard. She began to sneak out of the house, and she was even caught taking her mother's pain medication on a couple of occasions. In April of 2009, Brittany asked her parents if she could go on a spring break trip with her friends to Myrtle Beach. This was a group of friends who were seniors at her high school. It was a senior trip. And Brittany, being just a junior, had a lot of senior friends and wanted to go on this trip with them. 
But because Brittany had been giving her parents some trouble lately, and because she was only 17 years old, her mother told her no. Brittany would go ask her father, who also told her no. This caused a huge fight between her and her parents that lasted a few days. Until Brittany, one day, seemingly calmed down over the issue and asked if she could just go spend a few days at a friend's house for spring break instead. And her mom said yes, thinking that maybe Brittany could still have some fun for spring break locally. Maybe that was a good compromise. Brittany packed a bag and left home. What her parents didn't know is that the story was a lie. Brittany intended on going to Myrtle Beach with a group of friends. These friends were seniors, and Brittany was also hoping that her boyfriend would be going along, but at the last minute, he told her that he couldn't go because he had to work. So Brittany went without him. They arrived in Myrtle Beach on April 23, 2009, and right away, Brittany wondered if she had made a mistake. There was some tension among the group of them, and she wasn't getting along with the friends that she was rooming with. And soon, Brittany was left all alone while they all went and did their own thing. Two days later, on April 25th, one day before they were scheduled to leave and go home, Brittany found herself once again all alone. She was texting back and forth with her boyfriend back home, John, and telling him that she was miserable and couldn't wait to get back home. Since they were leaving the next day, she told him that she was just going to go back to the hotel room, pack up her stuff, and just go to bed early that night. Her boyfriend told her she should at least try and have some fun while she was there. It was her last night, after all. While Brittany had been down in Myrtle Beach, she did learn that she had another friend in Myrtle Beach. A guy by the name of Peter, who was a couple years older than her, and him and his group of friends were staying at a hotel about a mile and a half from her hotel. On that night, the night of April 25th, she decided she was going to walk back down there because she thought she might have left her flip-flops in their room earlier. This would also give her something to do that evening and help her avoid her roommates. The Disappearance Brittany is seen on surveillance camera leaving the Bar Harbor Hotel, her hotel, around 8 o'clock p.m. We know of her intentions that night because she had been texting back and forth with her boyfriend, John. We can corroborate her movements for a bit with the help of the surveillance footage at the hotels. At 8 p.m. on the night of April 25th, Brittany walks out of Bar Harbor Inn, telling her boyfriend she's going to walk down to the Blue Water Resort. She is seen entering the Blue Water Resort some 30 minutes later. Brittany is hanging with her friends at the Blue Water when one of her roommates texts her, upset because Brittany had worn her shorts. In fact, Brittany was still wearing them. They argued about it back and forth a little bit, and ultimately Brittany told her friend that she would come back to the hotel and she would give her back the shorts. We see Brittany on camera leaving the Blue Water at 8.48 p.m. Brittany texts John to let him know what's going on. John texts back, but then he doesn't receive an immediate reply, which is suspicious. He texts her several more times with no answer. 
and their texting had been so rapid fire before that John thought something must be wrong. So he called her, but Brittany didn't answer. Thinking he could scare her into answering him, he tells her that if she doesn't respond to him right now, he is going to tell her mother where she is. Remember, her mother thinks Brittany is still near home in Rochester, New York. But still, John receives nothing back from Brittany. He even checks in with her friends that were also in Myrtle Beach, but no one knew where Brittany was. After some time goes by, John realizes he needs to tell Brittany's mother, and he does just that. Dawn, learning that her daughter had lied to her, said she was initially mad, very mad, angry that her daughter disobeyed her and lied about it, and angry that she went all the way to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. However, she too could not get a hold of Brittany, and her anger soon turned to fear. Something was wrong. She could feel it. She called the local police in New York, but they advised her to contact Myrtle Beach. There was nothing they could do being in New York, so she contacted the Myrtle Beach authorities. But they told her they needed her to come in in order to take a report. So being that they were so far away, they knew they would have to head down to South Carolina. But in the meantime, they called some friends that were in North Carolina, much closer. And those friends drove down to Myrtle Beach immediately and made a missing persons report. Dawn, Brittany's father, Chad, and her boyfriend, John, all jumped in the car and headed to Myrtle Beach themselves. The search. Initially, Myrtle Beach authorities thought that Brittany was probably off with some new friends that she had met, or maybe she had gone for a walk since she was having trouble with the ones she traveled with and just walked too far, maybe even got lost. It was spring break after all, and I'm sure that sort of thing happens often. Once Brittany's family arrived in Myrtle Beach, they began to search everywhere. One interesting thing did stand out to them and to authorities, and that was that Brittany's friends, the ones that she was going to visit that night at the Blue Water Resort, had packed up and left suddenly, very early the next morning, without getting their deposit back and even leaving behind a lot of their personal belongings. These friends were also from Rochester, New York area, and when law enforcement tracked them down, They were told that they had to leave suddenly because one of their parents found out they were in Myrtle Beach when they weren't supposed to be. And they were overall cooperative with police. However, one day later, when police wanted to issue polygraph tests, the boys had suddenly lawyered up. A lot of people raised eyebrows at this, although police later came out and said that They were cooperative with police, and they were pretty much ruled out as suspects in their disappearance. Authorities were able to get a copy of Brittany's cell phone records, and they noticed something that immediately changed their focus. Brittany's cell phone had pinged a few times, heading south down Route 17, and stopped once it reached Georgetown, South Carolina. The time in between pings also showed detectives that the phone was moving too fast to be walking and must be in a vehicle. 
The pings also stopped abruptly in the early morning hours of April 26th. The distance in between Georgetown and Myrtle Beach is 35 miles, about a one-hour drive. So this begged the questions, what on earth was Brittany doing down there? And who was she with? This immediately shifted the investigation into a possible abduction. Brittany's case caught the attention of the nation because she could have been anyone's child, and millions of people vacation in Myrtle Beach and are familiar with Myrtle Beach. It was scary to think about what might have happened to her. Her face was posted up on billboards throughout the area. Dawn actually would move to the area permanently so that she could continue to search for her daughter and keep a close eye on the investigation. Dawn believed that her daughter might have been trafficked. She might have been abducted in the area or somehow lured into a vehicle or to go with somebody. Myrtle Beach authorities didn't believe this and said that they did not have a trafficking problem in their area at all. This was in 2009. And in 2019, a report came out that listed Horry County, the county where Myrtle Beach is located, is actually number one in the state for trafficking. Could that have been happening in 2009 also? Absolutely. In October of 2009, Chad received a phone call from his daughter's phone. His heart stopped. I can't even imagine how that would feel in that moment. But it would be learned that her phone number was given away to someone else from the phone company. But isn't that still odd? that whoever got that number happened to call Chad's phone? In June of 2010, Brittany was honored at her high school graduation and given an honorary diploma, the first time the school had ever issued an honorary diploma before. Also in June, a 37-year-old man named Timothy Sean Taylor was arrested and accused of trying to kidnap a 20-year-old woman in Myrtle Beach, That woman claimed that two men jumped out of a van and tried to abduct her. She said that she was able to elbow one of the men in the face, and that's how she was able to escape. Authorities, of course, wondered, could that have been connected to Brittany's case? Brittany's case didn't officially go cold, but years would pass before we'd see a break or an update in the case. In February of 2012, police identified convicted child rapist Raymond Moody as the primary person of interest now in Drexel's disappearance. A statement from police said there was no new information to share and that Moody was one of many people that they had investigated over the course of the investigation. In 2016, seven years after Brittany vanished, the FBI would hold a press conference. They stated that they believed that Drexel had been murdered shortly after her disappearance, that she had been abducted from Myrtle Beach and taken to somewhere in the vicinity of Georgetown, near where her cell phone pings had ended, before being killed there. The FBI put up a $25,000 reward for information leading to resolution in the case. Taquan Brown, a South Carolina inmate who had been serving a 25-year sentence for manslaughter, told authorities that he knew what happened to Brittany Drexel. He said that in 2009, shortly after Drexel had disappeared, he had gone to visit a McLennanville stash house 
to give money to Sean Taylor. Yes, that would be the same Sean Taylor that attempted the kidnapping in Myrtle Beach after Brittany vanished. This Taquan Brown said that when he went to this house and was walking through looking for Sean Taylor, he said that he saw Sean Taylor's son sexually abusing Brittany Drexel with some others present. He walked by and continued to the backyard where he found Sean, made his payment to him, and as they were talking, Brittany ran from the house but was soon recaptured. Brown would say that he saw the younger Taylor pistol whip Drexel and then take her back inside. He then heard two gunshots, which he assumed were the sounds of the young woman being killed. Brown claims to have seen a wrapped body being removed from the house and then dumped in one of the many alligator ponds in the area. Brown's statement to investigators was partially corroborated by information received from another informant who was not identified, but was described as having been incarcerated at the Georgetown County Jail at the time when he had talked to authorities. According to the second inmate, Taylor had picked up Drexel in Myrtle Beach and taken her to McLennanville, where he showed her off to friends and tried to sell her for trafficking purposes. Brown said that when the case drew heavy media attention, Taylor decided to kill Drexel to avoid arrest. So authorities do believe that the combination of these two stories is the truth. And they do release this information to the public. They put this information out there as if it were fact. People would start talking about how they finally knew what happened to Brittany Drexel. It was a mystery that had haunted the whole area for several years. Both Sean Taylor and his son denied the allegations and said that they had never even seen Brittany Drexel before, but no one believed them. And no one believed that Brittany would ever be found at this point, especially since everyone thought that she had been disposed of in an alligator pit. However, in May of 2022, everything that authorities believed about this story was wrong, completely wrong. We would learn a whole new story about Brittany, and Brittany would actually be found. Before we get into the actual story of what happened to Brittany, I want to let you all know about this wonderful mental health resource out there. Let's think happy offers solutions to guide you to the therapy you need, the right therapy. The founder of Let's Think Happy had to learn the hard way that not all therapy is equal. When her foster children weren't improving through therapy as they had hoped, she did some research on her own and learned that her foster kids were placed in the wrong kind of therapy. Once they identified the right form of therapy, there was immediate improvement. In most cases, people are just placed in whichever therapy is available at the time, as opposed to the therapy that would benefit them the most. People aren't getting the help they need, and because of this, they just get stuck in their struggle with mental health. They don't see any improvements, and they may even begin to believe that therapy just isn't for them. This gave Ashley an idea and she jumped on it. She hired a licensed therapist to create a questionnaire, a skilled web developer to create a website, and magic happened. Anyone can take the free questionnaire to find out what type of therapy they should be going to. 
And if you're really serious about your mental health, you're going to want to buy your full results for $7.99. Your full results include three things. First, a professional will help you find a therapist. Second, you'll find out whether your answers have indicated a mental health condition such as anxiety disorder, depression, bipolar disorder, PTSD, ADHD, or more. And last, but certainly not least, we will send you six therapeutic PDF books. Plus, if you get it today and use the code LTH20, you'll also get 20% off your full results. Don't stay stuck being depressed or anxious all the time. Go to www.letsthinkhappy and take the free questionnaire. Life is too short not to be happy. So let's think happy. You'll find the link in our show notes. A huge thank you to Let's Think Happy for sponsoring today's show. Finding Brittany Drexel In May of 2022, 13 years after Brittany walked out of her hotel and disappeared onto the busy streets of Myrtle Beach, authorities make a shocking announcement. They have found the remains of Brittany Drexel. And while at first everyone believes that it was the Taylors that did something to Brittany, a press conference is held to explain more facts. In fact, it was not the Taylors. It was someone else entirely, someone else completely removed from the Taylors. There is no connection whatsoever, as of what we know now, between what happened to Brittany and the Taylors. The truth was, law enforcement was led to the body of Brittany Drexel because the man who had killed her, the man who had buried her, told them where she was. And that man was identified as Raymond Moody. Take a listen to a clip from that press conference. Brittany's mother, Dawn, and Chad, and Father John were promised that every resource would be used to find the answer of what happened to Brittany, where did it happen, how did it happen, and why did it happen. The why may never be known or understood, but today, this task force can confidently and without hesitation answer the rest of those questions along with the who is responsible. The who is Raymond Douglas Moody who lives at 5502 Rose Hill Road in Georgetown, South Carolina. His date of birth is May the 9th of 1960, and he is a white male with an extensive sex offender criminal history. The Georgetown County Sheriff's Office charges against Mr. Raymond Moody are murder, kidnapping, criminal sexual conduct in the first degree, all of these charges occurring within the jurisdictional limits of Georgetown County, all of which occurred on April the 25th of 2009, and all of which detail Brittany Drexel as the victim. Charges against Raymond Moody were made possible through investigative findings and evidence that led us to a possible site where Raymond Moody buried a deceased Brittany Drexel on or about 
April the 26th of 2009. Good afternoon. I'm Chief Amy Prock, here representing the men and women of the Myrtle Beach Police Department. This day is definitely bittersweet. While we are certainly grateful for being able to bring some closure to Brittany's family. Brittany's family and friends in our community. We are honored to be here today with Brittany's family. It's not the final chapter we had been hoping for. Every police officer has that one case that frequents their every waking thought. This was that case for many people and our team and several agencies throughout this circuit and throughout the state. This is Chad and Dawn Drexel. Hi, everyone. I want to take this opportunity to thank the FBI, all the law enforcement agencies that worked on her case, the solicitor's office, and all the investigators who never gave up on the search for Brittany and the individuals responsible for take, from taking her from us. I want to t thank those of you in the media that kept Brittany's story current and didn't forget about her or our family. I want to thank the many volunteers that helped search for Brittany and answers with us. You have all inspired me and the investigators to keep going. I am comforted by everyone who has been a part of our lives and those we have met along the way. This is truly a mother's worst nightmare. I am mourning my beautiful daughter, Brittany, as I have been for 13 years. But today, it's bittersweet. We are much closer to the closure and the peace that we have been desperately hoping for. And remember, back in 2012, before the story of the Stash House and the Taylors came out, Raymond Moody was identified as a person of interest, although authorities at that time never gave the public any additional information as to why he was a person of interest. But on May 4, 2022, a 62-year-old Raymond Moody was arrested and charged with obstruction. On May 11th, skeletal remains were found in a wooded area in Georgetown County, South Carolina just two miles from where Raymond Moody had been living. On May 16th, Georgetown County Sheriff Carter Weaver announced that the remains found were identified through dental records and DNA as those of Brittany Drexel. Raymond Moody was then charged with murder, kidnapping, and criminal sexual conduct for her death and her disappearance. On May 31st, authorities announced that her manner of death is homicide, but the cause of death is undetermined. So who is this Raymond Moody? His criminal history is long. Moody was first charged with a sexual crime in California back in 1983. It was then that he first registered on the National Sex Offender Registry List. He was also sentenced to the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation on December 15, 
1983, to serve a 40-year, four-month sentence for sodomy of a child under the age of 14 while inflicting great bodily injury, rape with force or threat of violence, lewd acts with a child under the age of 14, and assault with an intent to commit mayhem. Moody was released on parole supervision on June 9, 2004. He was released from that parole supervision on June 9, 2007. Raymond Moody then relocated from California back to South Carolina, where he was from. In 2008, Moody was charged with indecent exposure in the city of Georgetown. In 2010, he was charged with a first offense of failing to register as a sex offender within the county. As of right now, Raymond Moody has confessed to the rape and murder of Brittany Drexel. As for a trial, that remains to be seen. He has not officially been arraigned and has not entered an official plea. Authorities have said it could be a little while as they sort out the facts and details for that. Moody can either plead guilty when the time comes or not guilty and proceed with a trial. 13 years the Drexel family has suffered not knowing what happened to Brittany and where she was. And while they finally have some answers, they are all still dealing with a painful and horrible tragedy. And the discovery released in this case, I'm sure, brings everything back to the surface. Never give up hope in missing person cases. Answers can always be found. They might not always be the answers we want, but the answers are out there. I will be keeping a close eye on the Raymond Moody situation and if there is a trial, and I will post any updates as they come in. Please keep an eye on our socials for these announcements. Hopefully, hopefully, we have justice for Brittany soon. A big thank you as well to our sponsor for today, Let's Think Happy. Please give them a try. Remember, you can take their online questionnaire for free. You can find that at www.letsthinkhappy.com, and I'll have the link in the show notes for you as well. You can also send any case suggestions or feedback to me at canwefindthem at gmail.com. I welcome all emails and any and all recommendations. Thank you all so, so much for listening to Brittany's story today. The story isn't over. We may have answers, but the story is far from over. Brittany's young life was taken way too soon in such a tragic way. We will be back again soon with another Unsolved Missing Persons episode. And until then, stay safe and hug your loved ones.